Turn on our Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 31. John chapter 4, verse 31. As you're turning there, I do want to say real quick, Merry Christmas to everyone. In case I don't get to see you for our Christmas Eve communion service, I do want to take an opportunity to say Merry Christmas. Now, with John chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. Uh, but he said to them, uh, and by the way, this is just after Jesus has met the woman at the well. Raise your hand if you're familiar with that story, right? Okay, remember she was living with the guy that wasn't her husband at that time, and she'd been with a bunch of other guys, and that's where this is all taking place. And so he says, Rabbi, eat something. And, and he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And so the disciples began to sing, began to, sing to one another. Uh, no one brought him anything to eat, did they? You know, basically they were saying, wait a minute, who, who's... Who's the disciple here trying trying to get in on the good side of Jesus? Like, you know, who snuck behind our back to feed Jesus? But, but they said, who, no one brought him anything, did they? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. I want, to, I, want to, I want us to say this out loud together. Verse 34, everyone together, say it with me. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. Let's pray. God. The Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, I ask you to be in this room. Enable us to hear God's word. And as Hebrews says, that your word would be a double-edged sword, piercing into the innermost parts of us, rightly dividing the word of truth today. We thank you, God. We make ourselves available to your word, that we would not be just hearers of the word, but that today we would experience what it's like to be doers of your word. God's people said, amen, so be it. One more time, just give God a crazy praise in this place as you're seated. Amen, amen, amen. But today I'm talking about something very important. And, and while this may not be a Christmas message and maybe what you are expecting, I believe it is fitting for the season because we're going to talk about Jesus. Is it okay if we talk about Jesus today? Amen. Good. You found the wrong church, by the way, if you're not okay with that. So we're talking a little bit about Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about ourselves. But most importantly, we're going to talk about our assignment. Everyone say, my assignment. Now, if you came into the house today and you say, Pastor Matt, for especially for all of our students, you're saying, whoa, 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 school is out, my friend. Why are we talking about assignment? Uh, and I think about our college students are out. My kids are out of school, and, and probably your kids are out of school. For all of our teachers in here, you're thinking, man, Pastor Matt, what are you doing talking about assignment? Well, I have a special assignment that I want to talk to you about. Uh, before we talk about assignment, so I kind of want to do some reflecting on what it was like when I was in school. Now, if you're here today and you're like me, I wasn't a bookworm. I wasn't a nerd. I, uh, school did not come easy to me. Anyone here can identify with that and say, you know what, school didn't come easy to you. And I don't, and I don't, mean, just, I don't mean just like kindergarten. I mean like all kinds of school. And, and school just never came easy to me. And I tried and I had to work for everything that I had. I mean, I had to cheat. I had to beg and borrow and steal. I'm just saying. And um, I had to, I, school just never came easy to me. I never found my fit. I, I, I like athletics. I like PE. And I like lunchtime. Um, but, man, when it came to classroom time, I struggled. I just, I just didn't, I just never found my fit. I, I just, and, you know, I'm not that, it's not like that I'm old or anything. But, but when I was going through school, there, we didn't have ADD and ADHD and all those things to diagnose everyone with. So, you know, a lot of our kids get passes nowadays. You know, they're, 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 you know that maybe they're loud in the classroom or they're in there wiggling in their chair. And, and the teacher can say, oh, they have ADD. You know, when I, when I was in school, 
they'd snatch you up out of the chair and take you to the principal's office where the principal, when I went to high school, could still take you to the woodshed. And your parents were okay with it. Now, you know, we would dare speak that today. My goodness, you know, we wouldn't hurt, God forbid, we teach our kids any lessons today. But at any rate, but I'm just being truthful with you. I, I can remember in, in middle school, I can remember just my desk would, would rock back and forth. And, and what happened was it was missing one of the casters on the end, right? So it was, un, it was uneven. So it did what any red-blooded American middle school boy would do. I rocked the mess out of that chair. Amen? Now, I'm, I don't know, in our schools today, kids, are the chairs and the desks still connected, right? Or do you have, se- oh, you have separate? Okay, y'all went old, old school. All right. Well, our, our desk and our chairs were connected. I don't know if they thought kids were going to steal the desk or kids were going to steal chairs or <laughs> catch them running off out there, by the way. Uh, but I'm just saying. So ours were connected, man, and I would rock the mess out of that. And, and I look back now, I think, I, I think about our teachers. I think, you know what, it probably did irritate the teacher. He or she's up there trying to teach, and they've got a student. The whole, the whole class time. And... I remember they called my dad. I guess I guess she had had enough. I, I remember her name to this day. Her name was Miss Cole. God bless her soul. And so, but I remember Miss Cole. And uh, well, I gave her such a terrible time, and I'm probably going to pay for it one day. And uh, but I remember her sitting with the principal's office, and they called my dad. My parents aren't here. They're at the Colleen campus today. And but they called my dad and and said, you know, your son is disruption in class. And so my dad came in. He's like, you know, it's a problem. They said, well, you know, this is what he's doing. He's like, well, show me the desk. And so. Uh, they went and showed him the desk, and he said, well, you know, here's the problem right here. You know, it's, it's going to run. So anytime he moves forward or backwards, of course, I exaggerated the forward and the backwards, you know. And uh, so, you know what my dad did? He took a piece of paper right then. I, I'll still remember this right in front of the whole class. He went and got a piece of paper. He folded it up, and he stuck it under my chair. He said, problem fixed, and he left the classroom. And uh, I'll never forget that. My dad was solving problems even then. But, man, just being in school and trying to finish assignments and then to think that people are sick enough to send homework home with us, right? What is wrong with the school system today? Come on, kids. Man, to think that, to think that we're to take work home with us and we have homework. I, I, uh, I can remember for me, my biggest struggle in school was math. Anyone else in here? Ever struggle with math? You know, I have a clip that I want to get ready to show you. And uh, maybe if, if math were introduced to me this way, are we ready to show that clip? Uh, let's go ahead and I want you to watch this clip real quick. So maybe if they taught math like that when I was in school, I would have caught it a little more. But I struggled in math. Now, for all the students in here, 
every student, whether you're in college or you're in high school or you're in middle school, have you said, and you, you, I'm giving you a chance to speak out right, right now at church. Have you students ever said to your parents or under your breath to your teacher, when am I ever going to need this again? When you have kids and they start doing algebra, that's when you're going to need it again. You know, I said the same thing. I can remember sitting up in geometry class and got my protractor out. I'm like, am I supposed to stick somebody with this thing? I mean, what am I supposed to do with this? Everybody else is drawing perfect circles and triangles and 90 degrees. And, man, I was just like, this is, I don't even know what's happening here. It's like things scrambled on the page for me, literally. And I can remember being in algebra. I was like, why, why do we have to take the alphabet and numbers and mix them together? Why does X have to mean anything? Why can't a number just be? And I remember thinking these things, and I would think, man, how silly this is. Like, I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm never going to build a bridge or a skyscraper. I I don't need any of this. I'm not going to be an astronaut. You know, why do I need to know this stuff? Well, I've got a daughter who's in junior high right now, and she's in all of these math classes. And you know what? She doesn't come to old dad because dad doesn't know what I'm doing. And so I'm like, Ollie, help. There's an X on this paper, (laughs) and there's a Y, too. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Help. And I remember thinking then, why I'm going to need this, and now I see God in his divine providence was trying to tell me, man, someday you're going to have a kid. That's when you're going to need it. And so I I actually regret now not paying attention and trying a little harder now. So, but but thank God we have Holly, who is valedictorian in her class, and and she's so smart, and she can help all of us, because I don't know where we're going. But assignments. And I remember being in school. Now, there were some subjects that I liked. I loved science. I had a teacher at Dalton High School. I doubt that he's in, he may still be there now. I don't know. His name was Mr. Martin. And Mr. Martin was one of the, the science teachers there. And I remember loving that class. He made learning fun. And, and um, it was so interactive and engaging. And, man, he, he acted like a kid sometimes. And we got to blow stuff up. We always got to go outside. And, I remember just being engaged in the learning process and, and the loving his class. I actually loved, the, I loved grammar. I loved English. I was good at that. Um, it doesn't sound like it sometimes up here because I, th- I say things like children's, but, um, <laughs> but I actually liked grammar, and I was good at it, and I was good at spelling, and I was good, good at those things. And, and, uh, and so I, there were some things that I excelled at, but, but I remember there were some assignments in school that I just didn't like. And I, I, re, I, I can remember taking some of these assignments home and just thinking those things to myself like, when am I ever going to need this again? And it's like, I'm just going to get myself through it. And, you know, if I can just pass. Has anyone said that to yourself or you're saying that now, students? Like, man, if I can just pass, like, I'll accept that. I'll take a C at this point. And, and then the great thing about when you get in college, Ds are passing. So, so you're just saying, man, if I could just get a D, praise the Lord and God bless us, everyone. Man, if I could just get a D... I'll take that. But assignments, what are assignments in life? What, what is, to think that we have these assignments that we have to complete. I'm going to challenge you today, each and every one of us, from the, from the teenager to the adult to the grandparent to everyone in between and all of us, that God has an assignment for you. Look at your neighbor and say, God has an assignment for you. Now, I made today, I, I don't know if I'm a good teacher or a bad teacher. I, we'll see how you do today in class. But, I may give you an assignment to do as homework. But I want you to know today that you have an assignment in life. We were just reading in John chapter 4, verse 31, 
about Jesus completing just part of his assignment. We read in, in, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus walking throughout the earth, completing the assignment that his father gave him to do. What is, it, what is it about an assignment that we have to do? What is it that we're really placed here on earth to do? What is that a unique destiny that God has given each and every one of us to accomplish in life? What is your assignment? For many of us, I think we struggle in our assignment. And I'm going to jump ahead and we're going to come back to it. But if you're taking notes today, by the way, pull up your Bible app if you haven't already. The notes are on there for you. And what is our assignment? And what is it that God has placed us on this earth to do? So I believe, first of all, number one, that we all have an assignment. Number two, that we all have gifts and talents that God has given us. And last of all, to let you know that your assignment doesn't necessarily define your gifts and talents in life. It could be right now that God has you an assignment that you're frustrated in, that you're struggling with, that it's hard to make sense right now. Let me say it this way. There may be someone in here today that you just don't really like your job. You know, there's a book in the Bible, Job. It's, we say Job, but it's spelled Job as well. There's a book in the Bible, and, and it's a story about a guy named Job or Job. It's a guy about this guy, about a guy named Job, and Job had a tough assignment in life. One of his greatest assignments was that, that God would allow the devil to plague him and to steal from him. God would allow these things to happen. And Job's only assignment in life was to continue to be patient and wait before God and to bring glory to God in the midst of difficult times. Let me say this to you today. If you're here today, first of all, I'm speaking to the person. You're literally in a job or in a career that you feel like you're a square peg in a round hole. People don't want to raise their hand right now. Your bo- if your boss isn't here, by the way. I'm sure a couple people, brave people. If your boss is here, don't even say amen. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Maybe you're here today, you know what? You say, Pastor Mark, I just, I just don't like my job. I'm, I'm so unhappy. I, I really don't like the people I work with. I struggle to contend to find contentment there and happiness there. And can I tell you today that often God's assignments don't always always include just lots of joy. There are some roads that God has us walk sometimes that are difficult and are challenging. Can I get a big amen on that? Sure, there are some things that we do in this life that are challenging. There are some assignments from God that the roads and the paths are tough to walk. But I'm here today, I believe God sent me all the way from Salado, Texas to encourage you today that you may be in an assignment that's difficult for you. You may be at a job right now or in a career that you feel like a square peg in a round hole. But God is telling you, first of all, to be faithful in your assignment. Be faithful with what you've been called to do where you're at right now. Be faithful with what's in your hand, what's in your heart, and with what's in your house. Let me say that again. We're to be faithful with what's in our hands, what's in our heart, and what's in our house. We're called to be faithful. But what does faithful really mean? What does faithful even really look like? Faithful to me looks a lot like commitment. Let me say that again. To me, faithful looks a lot like commitment. You know, many of us in here today, we're married. We're married to someone. We've made a commitment to someone in our life. Therefore, we're faithful to them. We've made a commitment to other people in our life, maybe our parents, our children other people we have relationships with. So therefore, commitment and faithfulness go together. So how 
Or how do we become faithful? How do we really, really become faithful in God's commitment? Faithful with what's in our hand, in our heart, in our house. How does that happen? Really simple. Church, we begin to do life like Jesus did life. I got to imagine Jesus being fully man, being tempted by the devil, being tempted to, to sin, tempted to walk away from the cross at the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying, going through temptation, going through difficult times of life, eating his last meal with his betrayer, and yet still loving the person who was betraying him. Can you imagine sitting at that table and your assignment is like Jesus to be, to be faithful in your assignment and to love Judas? I think a lot of us would have given Judas the right foot of fellowship, wouldn't we? Man, we would have taken Judas out to the woodshed. We, we would have given him what for. We would have sent him to the cross. But to be faithful in our, well, what is our assignment? What, what is our assignment? If you're here today, can I work from the top down? Is that okay? Let's just start with those, our, our mature crowd in here today, our older Christian brothers and sisters. Your assignment, if you're older in age, your assignment, according to Second Peter, is to show the younger crowd what it means to have lived your faith out with fear and trembling. That's your assignment. That's part of your assignment. Part of your assignment, if you're an older crowd is here, is not to shake your finger at the younger generation when we do silly and stupid and ridiculous things. After all, you were young at one point as well. And I bet your generation older than you might have shook their finger at you. But your job as an older generation in here is to pray for the younger generation. That is part of your assignment. Amen? Let's get biblical. How many want to get, let's get biblical, biblical. All right, listen. Second Timothy tells us that. Paul was writing two letters to Timothy. In the second one, he talks to the older people sitting up in the church in Galatians and Ephesians, the church at Philippians, at Philippi. He's telling them, Listen, if you're older and you're maturing your faith, you don't get to sit back, cross your arms, and say, my job is done. If you're in here and you're still breathing and you're not just taking up space, part of your assignment is to show me what it looks like to walk your faith out with fear and trembling. What it looks like to have served God your life. To share your life's experience. This is part of your assignment. I'm helping you out today. If you're wondering what your assignment is. It means to share your experiences with the younger crowd. If you see a young couple struggling in their marriage, in their walk, you're to come up at the altar time. Put your hands around them if you're still, if your spouse is still alive. And if not, to come around them and to say, listen, I've been down that road when we were younger too. And this is how we survive. This is how God got us through. If you see a teenager struggling in their walk, it's not to sit there and and shame them with your finger and say, boy, if I was their parent, this is what I would do. Church, older generation, what would it look like if you came up to our younger students today at the altar and said, I want to pray for you because you know what? What you were tempted with, so was I. Come on, somebody. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. What is our assignment in life? Let's work our way down down the ladder. For those of us in here, maybe you're ending the near of your, you're, you're coming into retirement. You're, 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 you're migrating. You're, you're segueing into that 
that older part, you're not quite there yet. You're, you're maybe still in the latter part of your career still. And you, you, you still got just maybe a little bit of your career left, still bit of, a little bit of working life left, but you're looking forward to retirement. And you're thinking that there some, can be some switches that you can turn off once you get a certain age. You look at them and say, man, I want to play golf every day. Now, I know we got some men in here that play golf every day. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. May God bless those guys. And I'm glad that they get to. Or maybe you say, man, I want to sit around and work in my garden all day. Or, and I'm looking forward to doing that. What if you were to take a young man or a young woman who's just starting their career? And you see them making mistake after mistake after mistake. And all you can think, all you're thinking about is retirement, retirement, retirement. What would it look like, Christian, in your workplace if you were to take that young man or that young woman just starting their career out, come up beside them, put your arm around them saying, listen, I know you're just starting this road and I'm about to get off this road, but let me save you some headaches along the way. That's part of our assignment. See, we think our assignments are are, are really just, you know, if if it's not said in God's word, then, then it's not part of our assignment. Can I tell you that, God, there is no possible way for God to have written down every little instruction that we need for life. Could it be that as we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He begins to expand our assignment and our knowledge of what we truly know about God's Word? Are you with me today, church? What is our assignment in life? Maybe you're a parent in here today. Maybe you're a parent like myself. As I raise a teenager and as I raise a seven-year-old, come on, parents, isn't it a challenge to raise our kids in this culture? Anybody with me today? Surely I'm not alone. I mean, everything that our kids turn on and our kids watch and every app on the iPad and every game on the Xbox is a challenge. I mean, how Jesus, let me say it this way, parents. The Bible says that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Does that make sense? I'm in it. Yes, I'm literally breathing and working on this planet, but I'm not made of the stuff that other, right? I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. And and listen, parents, how do we effectively raise our children to know that you're in this world, but you're not of this world, when they may be in close relationship with a friend who is completely as ungodly as your coworker? Are you with me today, church? Don't get all Chamber of Commerce on me today. How do we raise our teenagers and our kids to say, you know what? You can still stand up for your faith and yet love the unbeliever. We believe, it's like, excuse me, the church as a whole, not just Crossroads, but the church as a whole, we've taken this all or nothing sense. That's what we've done. We've, we, we've said it's either black or white. Hear my heart today, church. We've, we've tried to, in the church, preach there's no gray area. There's no gray area. When our world lives in a gray area, how can we reach people in a gray area if all we ever preach is black and white? You and I both know that you may work with someone, be in relationship with someone, know someone. This is part of your assignment. Who maybe once used to walk with God and got turned off because of church and maybe something happened in the church or when they got older they just walked away from church and here you come skipping in and walking in and you're preaching hellfire and brimstone when they're maybe on the verge of once of serving God again they're in the our world is living in a gray area and we're preaching it's all or nothing it's all or nothing it's all or nothing and we're trying to reach a world that that is not ready even to commit to that 
Church, what would it look like if we truly, and especially in the midst of this duck dynasty, can I just speak to that? It's the elephant in the room anyways. Everybody's been posting about it, and I haven't posted anything because I've just been patient, and certainly now is not the complete appropriate time to speak to it. But let me say this. I have seen some things posted by some Christians that have embarrassed me. That have embarrassed me. And I know, as you know, that there is a crowd in our world that may believe different on the opinion of marriage than me. But, but listen to me, church, and hear my heart. Look at your neighbor and say, hear his heart. Because what I don't want to happen is you start tweeting and Facebooking something that I didn't say, and we're podcasting this, so, but hear my heart. That we stand in our ivory tower today, and we say, well, every homosexual is going to hell. So is every person that gossips. So is every person that has malice and hatred in the heart. Can I tell you that Jesus says that hatred is as witchcraft. And in 1 John chapter 3, it says, if you hate your brother, you hate the father. I don't hear any amens on that one. See, see, we want to take these big issues as a church, and all of a sudden, now we want to start standing up for the truth. Why weren't we in our assignment standing up for the truth when you were gossiping at work about your, you got your Bible in one hand, and you got the gossip coming out of your mouth in the other. And then we want to stand in our every tower and say, oh, homosexuality is wrong, and I stand up for Phil Robertson. Those things are true, yes. But what does it look like when we start standing up for the truth that the truth is? Are you with me today, church? Look at your neighbor and say, that's some tough love. And you're like, Pastor Matt, it's Christmas season. Like, you need to be talking about Jesus and presents and, and all kinds of stuff. Well, this is my gift to you. <laughs> it's called the truth, amen? I love you, church. I really do. This is part of our assignment, to love this world. I mean, we're talking about God loving us enough that he sent his son into this planet. How else is love demonstrated other than such an, a beautiful, magnificent, great way? That's what love does. Love covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it? It's pretty amazing that our culture can be changed when Christians start loving people in the world instead of judging them. Leave that up to the judge. Amen? After all, you will be judged with the same measure at which you are judging. Talk about let's get biblical. <laughs> let's get, that's it. Let's get biblical. So we've got to start loving. That's part of our assignment. Parents, to raise our children in a culture and let them know, listen, you can be in this world, but guess what? You don't have to be of it. You can still be friends with someone that doesn't go to church, and guess what? It's okay. It's okay. Amen? Come on, somebody. We don't have to act like we're, 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 we're just so uber spiritual all the time. Here's the thing, parents. If we don't start address, if we don't have answers for some stuff, I promise you the world will. So you can turn your head and act like it's not happening, or you can sit down with your child and in love address the stuff that you need to love. And that means pornography. That means sex. That means sexting. That means all those are happening. And if the church doesn't have answers for it, the world will provide them answers. I would rather give my kids answers than allow the world to fill in the blanks and connect the, connect the dots for them. Amen? Give the Lord a praise. 
That is part of my assignment as a parent is to have biblical answers for them. Not to, not to sit there and shake my finger or to judge people, but to say, you know what, we're going to pray for that person. That's what we're going to do. Not to sit there and be, be the big brother over what they're doing and just wait for a moment to pounce on my child when they're doing something wrong, but to admonish them and encourage them in Jesus Christ, amen? To build themselves up in the most holy faith. Parents, what would it look like in our homes instead of us telling them what to do, we begin to show them what to do. We have too many parents that are saying, kids, do as I say, but please don't do as I do. You know why? Because you, have a parent, as a parent, have been unfaithful in your assignment. Unfaithful in your assignment. Unfaithful. What does it mean to be faithful in what we have been assigned to do? My daughter, when she brings her math work home, I scatter. I'm like a ghost. Like I run and hide because I'm like, the devil's in that stuff, you know what I'm saying? In the name of Jesus, you know. All seriousness though, Holly, help. <laughs> Hammer nail, I got it, whatever. We need to draw a stick figure, I can do that. Write, write a lyric or a poem or a soliloquy, I can do it. But Mather can't do it. Listen to me. Think about it this way, church. For all the students in the house, this is really going to hit home. Let's say when you go, you know, just right before Christmas break, you come home with homework. And you bring that stuff home, and you're thinking, man, why do I have to do this? Why, why do I have to do this? And there are, how many know in life, in life, there are some assignments that you're right in the middle of completing your assignment, and for the last three months or six months, you've been saying to God, God, why do you have me here? Why am I doing this? And it's like our kids bringing this homework home. They're thinking or they're saying to themselves, to you, this doesn't make any sense. Why do I really have to do this assignment? And there's this great parallel right there. This is great imagery that we cannot miss. And what I tell my daughter is like, you know, sweetie, it's just part of life. You just, I don't know what to tell you. You just got to do it. Whether you're homeschooling, whether you're public schooling, whether you're charter schooling, whether you're school schooling, I don't even care. You've got to do it. Are you with me today, parents? Amen. It's just part of life. You just got to do it. But you be faithful in your assignments. Guess what? In school, if you don't pass those assignments, you fail, right? You fail. And if you fail enough, you stay back and you get to repeat that grade all over again. Right? And so you, you want to make sure that you can at least pass your assignment. And what is the assignment there to do? It's there to show the instructor, the educator, that you have enough knowledge of what's being taught so that you can go to the next level. I believe that God has given some of you assignments. He's handing out assignments. And you're working in a place right now, your inner career right now that you just don't love. You're not super jazzed about. You're not super excited. It's tough to go to work some days. But can I encourage you today, sir? Can I encourage you today, ma'am? Get up and complete your assignment. Because when you complete your assignment, God says, all right, you've done what I've assigned you to do. Now you can graduate to the next thing. Often we think it's the devil that is sitting there fighting us day after day. And we're praying to God, God, deliver me from this. God, Show me the way out of this. God, speak to me. And it has nothing to do with the devil opposing you. It is you opposing God in your assignment. And he's saying, listen, I didn't call you to love your assignment. I didn't call you to like your assignment. I called you to be faithful in your assignment. And if you will be faithful in what you're assigned to do, show me that you're confident in it. I'll graduate you to the next thing. And you can move on from that 
to your next assignment. But I will not let you go to the next thing till you prove that you can do this thing. Are you with me today, church? So listen, we're about to close out 2014. We're about to close this year out and wrap this year up. Why not start completing some of your assignments? Why would we want to repeat in 2014 the mistakes we made in 2013? You have a couple of days left to start getting some things right. What good is it for us to go into the new year and make all these new year resolutions when we haven't even dealt with the stuff right on our plate now? I can promise you, just because a clock turns 2014 and midnight doesn't mean that that stuff stays where it is. It's going to follow you. Are you with me today, church? Start finishing and being faithful in the assignment that God has assigned you to do. If you're a stay-at-home mom, then by God, be the best stay-at-home mom that could ever be. If God has called you to be an executive or a small business owner, or if you're a manager, or if you're a supervisor, or if you're just sweeping the floors, sweep those floors like they've never been swept before, amen? I mean, let, let, it, let, let people see themselves on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Put some pride in what you're doing. Show God, God, I can be faithful with even little things, stuff that no one else knows that you're calling me to do, but I'm faithful with it. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you to, to increase your level of biblical knowledge and of reading time and spending time with God. Start being faithful with that. Are you with me today, church? Just begin listening to God. God, what is my assignment? It might be if, if I'm a parent in here, if I have a kid, then trust me, your assignment is to be a godly parent. Dads, get your family tonight when you get home. Shut the TV off at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock whenever everybody goes to bed. Or, you know, it's school night, so you're probably going to let your kids stay up late. Before you go to bed tonight, Dad, before you go to bed tonight, Mom, get your family together. Shut everything off. You know, we have DVRs. Pause them. Amen? And I praise God for DVRs. I believe it's from God because I'm recording the Cowboys game in just a moment. That's a whole other set of assignments and miracles for later. But anyway, listen to me. What would it look like in our homes if we started being faithful in our assignments? Instead of telling my kid, you better read that devotional before you... Turn that phone off. Read your devotional. I'm going to go watch Sports Center, but you don't do as I do. You just do as I say. Moms, honey, you better read your devotional. I'm going to go yell at your father. <laughs> Being faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, be faithful. No, sit, be faithful. Don't do it. Be faithful. Be faithful in your assignment. You know what? If you're a church member here, then be faithful in your assignment here. If God has called you and planted you at Crossroads Church, then be faithful. Don't just be a chair occupier. You know, just just a, a cheek in the seat. Be faithful. Some of you, you have gifts and talents inside of you. You can sing like nobody's ever sung before. And obviously that's not me. Some of you are really gifted with working with children, but you like to come in here and just relax and kick back and find an armchair, get here early and find one of those armchairs and, you know, but you're great with kids. Or maybe you're great with teenagers. It's like, man, I don't want to come on Wednesday nights. Ugh, those teenagers, ugh. But you know what? We have some incredible volunteers that show up on Wednesday nights to come in here and work with a bunch of teenagers that have no decorum, that don't, don't know church protocol, don't know that you can't scream and run in church. But they come in here and they give them their lives every Wednesday night. Some of you have the best smile 
that God's ever seen. And you need to be out there in your assignment greeting people when they come in. Are you with me today, church? Find your fit. Find your assignment in life. What has God assigned you to do? What has he assigned you to do? Can I challenge you today? Would you start praying about that? What have you assigned me to do? If you know what your assignment is, and the whole time I've been talking, man, it's just been in the back of your head, this is my assignment, this is my assignment. What would it look like if you started being faithful in your assignment? Amen. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. In John chapter 17, verse 4, I want to close out this scripture. It says, I glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. You know, when I stand before the Lord, I want to be able to say that. Say, God, I glorified you by completing the work that you gave me to do. I glorified the work here on earth that you gave me to do. I brought you glory in what your assignment was for me. You know what? Sometimes I fell short. Sometimes I maybe wasn't the best at it, but I was faithful to it. I did it day in and day out. I know some of you, whoever I spoke to in here today, it's for a lot of people. You're just not finding real contentment where you're at. You're struggling emotionally maybe at work. You're struggling maybe emotionally with your career or, or maybe in your marriage. You're just not happy. And I, I really believe a big portion of this is because due to a lack of faithfulness in your assignment. Being faithful in your assignment. God, help me to be faithful. Holy Spirit, help me to be faithful in my assignment. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes all across this place. Part of my assignment as a pastor today is to give you an opportunity. If you're here today for your first time to meet Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, I have never confessed my sins. I have never asked Jesus to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I've never audibly out loud and confessed with my mouth that he is Lord of my life. I've never believed in my heart that he died in a real grave or, or died a real death and was buried in and three days rose from the grave. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ, that if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, it declares that we're saved. You have to mean that in your heart though. You're here today and you want to make things right with God. Perhaps you're here today and you once walked with God, but it's been a long time since you truly, truly committed and surrendered your heart to God. And you, you want to know that if you were to leave this planet today, that if you were to die today, you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven would be your home. And you want to know that today. If that's you, I just wanted to raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Thank you raise it. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, sir, in the back. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly, quickly, quickly. Amen. Raise your hand. So, Pastor Matt, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amen. I want everyone to... Say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. And that in three days, you rose from the grave. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for forgiving me. I believe what I have said. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a praise today. Amen. Amen.